Hey, Queeros, my friend Matt McGonkey, who hosts a great show on your wolf called Homophilia, has a new podcast called Lost and Found. Lost and Found is a series of intimate conversations with some of Matt's favorite actors, writers, and comedians who also happen to be adopted, just like him. So check it out. Matt's going to ask the burning questions like, uh, oh, if adoptees have a lifelong fear of reduction, why did so many of them pursue careers in entertainment? I don't know. He asked me to ask himself that question. Listen to Lost and Found now on Stitcher Premium. Go to stitcherpremium.com slash found and use the promo code query for a free month of Stitcher Premium. This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback. And I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, huge news. This coming Monday, June 11th, which is today... You can head over to CameronEsposito.com or CameronEsposito.com slash rape jokes and watch my new stand-up special. It's an hour about sexual assault from my perspective as a survivor, and I'm putting it out for free. It's free. You can just stream it for free. You can just stream it for free because I didn't want it to be behind a paywall because I wanted anybody who needed to see it to be able to see it. That being said, you can also buy it. For 10 bucks or more, there's a sliding scale that you can decide how much is good for you. And you will be helping to, number one, cover the cost of production on the special, which straight up is only two grand because a bunch of people donated their time. And the fact that we were able to pull it off for two grand is just unbelievable. That was the cost of essentially renting video cameras. After that, every cent will be donated to Rain, the largest anti-sexual violence organization in the country. That's right. Every cent goes to Rain. So you are helping not only to make my dreams come true, not only you're going to get to take a really great special, save it forever because you get a free download or not a free download, but you get a download with the $10 fee or more. Um, you're also going to help raise a bunch of money for an organization that I really believe in. What I'm trying to do with this is to shift the lens and center survivors and you can help me by getting the word out about the special. And I also have a great new episode of Query today, also for free. God, I just give you the best content. Today's guest is Larkin Christie, a young person who wrote in to me. I loved what they had to say. I want to get on the phone. Uh, they're an activist. Just, just go listen to the episode. I love this chat. And have a great rest of your day. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still holding on, darling. I know, I know, I know it's careless. Ooh, we are doing something new today on the show, which is that my guest and I are like video Skyping from a distance. And it's this is so much better than just having you in my ears. It's nice to see your face. How how are you doing today? Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I usually have folks introduce themselves. Would you mind introducing yourself? Yeah, um, I'm Larkin Christie. I'm 17 years old and a non-binary activist from Massachusetts. Um, a lot of my work is focused around youth rights and like getting youth um, respected and expected to have a voice and also um, some anti-racist stuff. And you actually wrote in... 
And then that's how I found you, which is really cool. I really appreciate you taking time to suggest yourself. <laughs> uh, so, like, good job. That means that at 17, you're already – I mean, I don't know if I – I'm trying to think if I would have had the guts. Well, number one, I didn't know I was in the LGBT community at 17. So I def, so that would have been – that would have made it difficult. Um, but, yeah, how did you – like, what made you want to write in? Um. I was just listening to the podcast and I was like, this is great. And I want there to be like more, I don't know, more like my, my constant like youth activist brain was like, let's have people on the show who aren't, who are like not adults and kind of like opening that, the umbrella of the queer umbrella. Um, and I, then I was like, well, I'll just see it. I mean, I don't like, like, Ask, like asking for things face to face, but I'm like really happy to email people I don't know <laughs> because I like if they say no, we'll never, I'll never see you again. Like, whatever. What a good use for the anonymity of the internet. So often the anonymity of the internet protects like um, maybe speech that is more aggressive than we would be in person. And I love the idea that you're using it to maybe be a little bit more brave than you would be in person. That that's yeah. rad. I hear that. And and you're 17, but we're speaking to each other midday on like a weekday. So what is your school situation like? Yeah, well, I don't go to school. And my like short answer is like, yeah, sure, I'm homeschooled. But I don't really like that answer because it doesn't feel very genuine because most people, when they think about homeschooling, it's like curriculum and like very school-like, but just at home. And that's not the way that my quote-unquote schooling looks like it's all about me just deciding the things that I want to do and focusing on them um I don't know like I feel like the best analogy that like really makes sense to people is maybe like as though I'm retired like I'm not <laughs> I'm not like ha I don't have a job and I have don't have to go to a job every day but like I volunteer and I write stuff and I do the things I'm interested in and go on walks and hang out with people and explore the things that are going on in the community and that kind of thing. Who's like making sure that those things all lead towards you being an adult that can participate fully in the Myself. world? No one else at your home, like you don't have a parent that sort of supervises anything? No. How is this possible? How did this happen? <laughs> this is just an unusual situation that yeah. I have not really heard about before. Yeah. So when I was under 16, I had to like legally demonstrate that I was doing some sort of schooling thing. So I would send a report into my school that, or like my school district that would sort of say about what I was doing, but it was like as loose as I could do, do it and as undefined as possible. Um, so generally I would be like for humanities, I'm going to read things and go places and write stuff and talk to people in like more specific language that sounded a little bit more schooly. And I would like try to write about my philosophies about math and how like math happens everywhere and you can pick up the things that you need to learn when you need to learn them. And then at the end of the year, I would like give them a portfolio of stuff I've done. So how does this qualify you? Will you get a high school diploma? From No. In the United States, you can't get a diploma if you're homeschooled. You take... Um... You can take the high set, which is like the GED, but the new... Okay. for it. And then how does that affect your getting into college if that's something that you choose to do? Um, for a lot of homeschoolers, like it's 
just as easy or like maybe they have to jump through some schooly hoops to get there. But like a lot of colleges are interested in homeschoolers and interested in people who have like done interesting, different things with their learning. Um, for me personally, I'm not really interested in college, so I'm not really looking at that step, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to like understand being a, a human being that's your age and like having that unstructured of time because my time at your age was actually really structured. Like not only was I in school, but I was also involved in a ton of extracurricular activities. I'm not saying this was great. This is just what was happening for me. I had like uh, sort of a day planned out from almost like 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. most days. So is it ever overwhelming to have the amount of freedom that you're talking about? Because for me, freedom can feel great. As somebody who works for themselves, freedom can also sometimes feel like um, just difficult to organize. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think just what you said, like it's difficult to organize and especially I think like outside perspectives and the way the like the ways that other people view what I'm doing can and like the way that I was brought up into a society that like really values traditional schooling um, makes me like stressed out about the things I'm doing and like will like put me in a spin of feeling like like I'm not doing enough or whatever. Um, I make a lot of lists and like keep a lot of notes and plans and I definitely have structure. Like it's not like every day I'm just at home doing nothing. So I think that helps, but also like I'll have like four things that I have to do that day, like going out of the house and I'm like for like two hours tops. I'd be like, this is too stressful. I can't do this. Like it's very helpful for me to be not running around all the time. Sure. What is the structure that you have? Like, what's the stuff that you're regularly involved in um, outside of your home? Well, since like January, I've been involved in a self-directed learning center. That's luckily very close to my house. That's where I was biking home from. Um, And it's the the goal of the place is like to get people out of school and doing things more like what I've been doing. Um, But it has like a location and like helps people through the process. So for families that are like less ready to just make that jump on their own. That's interesting. That almost sounds like a co-working space would be the equivalent for adulthood, which is like that compromise between working from home or working um, and like working from home, being an independent contractor and working for a company. Is it similar to that sort of? That's the way that I use it. Um, Like is kind of a way to be involved in like uh, with other people during my day-to-day life. Um, That sounds really positive because one thing that, you know, I, when I think about what you're talking about, um, like for me, I, I mean, number one, my brain is absolutely stuck in the idea of like the traditional schooling that I was raised on, even as an adult, like, and trying to have expensive thought, like we, you know, better than I do that, like, we're in this culture where what you're doing is definitely out of the norm. Um, But then also I think about like loneliness or um, I'm like kind of a shy person. So I could imagine for me, school was kind of positive sometimes because it was just like an opportunity to run on into other people without having to make that plan. So how do you deal with that? Yeah, that is something I really appreciate. Like, I don't feel like I need to be constantly doing like social stuff that I plan. And part of that is because like, I don't really like making plans with people. Um, and that like makes, makes me anxious. And so having a space where I can just go and I'll like run into people to hang out with and just like chat for a few minutes, but it's not like a really structured thing is really nice. 
Yeah, that's that seems like it because it's tough to always be putting yourself out there without having, um, I don't know, just like a little bit of something that isn't you. You're not the right. you're not the sole creator of every social interaction that you have. Yes. How did you come up with this plan for yourself? Like, where did this come from? What was happening right prior to this? Well, I was going to school and I was going to performing arts school, and it was really far away from my house, and I was frustrated by how much time I was spending there and how I didn't have any time to do anything else. And I didn't, I was like bored at school. And I think maybe a lot of people would be like, Oh, let me go to a new different school. But like I was raised in a household that was sort of, I don't know, like a lot of our friends were homeschoolers when we were kids. And so it wasn't like a big deal. And that was kind of the thing that I thought of is like, okay, just we'll stop going to school. Um, and when I first started doing that, it was like more structured. And then I read great book. Uh, shout out to the Teenage Liberation Handbook. Everyone should read it, even if you're not a teenager. Um, that kind of is like an introduction. It's like the, the subtitle is like how to quit school and start your real life or something. Um, and that's sort of all it was about. And I was really inspired and got really interested in education and different education models. And then like really passionate about not being stuck in a school like mindset. Can I ask you a dumb question? Yeah. <laughs> like, just for folks that are listening, what's the difference between what you're doing and dropping out of school? And, like, for me, too. Like, right. if you were to describe it, what would you say is the difference? Because it I doesn't mean, sound the it, same. It's right. not that it sounds the same. Right. Um, but I'm curious about how you would define it. My first response would be, like, nothing, because I think that uh, in, the, in, in the most basic sense, like, we view the way that you can learn in a very like small way. And there's a lot of other ways that you could learn. And so a lot of people could be dropping out of school to work or to move on to some other thing. And so, yeah, that would be con more considered dropping out of school. But I think the difference for me is it was really intentional. I was, um, I've always been like a pretty like self-aware person. And so I, like when I first stopped going to school, I had like a huge list of all these things. Like what might I want to do during, during the day? And I would just sort of like pick and choose throughout them. And now like things are a little bit more focused, but I'm like really intentional about it and aware of the time that I have to like get to not have to be making money and do whatever I want. I just, I just want to stop right here. I can't remember how, look, let's see, 11 minutes and 48 seconds in and say, um, you're really well-spoken. I mean, you must know this. Like, it's it's cool to. I feel like you and I are connecting really well, and we have a large age difference. In fact, we're like basically the same number of years apart as you are old. <laughs> I have basically lived two X U's on Earth, and um, you're doing a great job of communicating to an adult. Where do you think that comes from? Like, it seems like you're not just that. Um, I think for. For teens, there's like two different things going on. Number one, you don't always have to be able to communicate well with adults. You can also just like be a kid because you are a kid and that's okay. Um, but I think that right now something that's happening is that like a bunch of teenagers are being called to speak in a way that like can include adults also, you know, um, like where is that skill set coming from? Do you know? I don't really know. It's like a thing – for many years, I've been, like, friends with adults and mm -hmm. in, like, a, a real way, not, like, oh, my parents' friends or whatever, but, like, my friends. And 
I'm not really sure like where that came from. I've like, I think I like matured in a weird way, like really fast kind of. Um, and sort of was frustrated by spending time with people of my own age, which probably was part of the reason I didn't want to go to school. Um, and I think I've just developed it more like being an activist. I spend a lot of time with people that are my own age and like spend a lot of time like discussing things and talking through ideas and I don't know. Yeah. By the way, I don't know that I like I don't think that's necessarily a fair burden to put on like um, anyone that's younger than adulthood that they have to be able to speak the way that adults would speak to each other to be valued. You know, I think that's something that we've also um, been expecting of young people that are stepping out with political opinions or that are like having space because of social media. Like we can hear each other's voices in a way that we didn't used to be able to. And so, so I, I don't think it's a fair burden that like kids or what would you describe yourself as a teenager? Like, what would you say about yourself? I don't know. Yeah. A human. Right. Like I just, don't, I don't think young people should have to speak outside of their age group in order to be valuable. Because there is something also about just understanding what it's like to be 17. It's almost like you're valid, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> like, it's almost like your your experiences as a young person uh, are, yeah. are valid. Like, that it doesn't need to be that, um, like, we only matter in adulthood or something. That, like, we're not, ha- like, we're having no experiences that, we're f- that will, uh, that require attention prior to 21 or something like that. Like, just, like, get through it, put your head down, mm-hmm. get through it. Um, yeah. It feels like, it feels like we could prevent a lot of like early trauma, um, that happens, especially to folks in the queer community by like believing that experiences are valid in youth. Yeah, I think you're right. That's like not something I really thought about a lot, but I think it's, it's true. Like when you listen to people's stories, from I don't know like I think there's like this weird divide of like oh and then I was a kid and people don't really like connect that to their whole life I I think that's totally true I think people really think about it like a sort of a past and present and um I mean you were you were living in that moment at the time that you were there because I think about it for myself um like I didn't really know what was going on with me at 17 but I also don't know if other people would have believed me so do you feel believed when you talk about, like, you identify as non-binary? What is that experience like as a young person? I think when I first came out, there were people who felt like, okay, it's just like a phase or whatever. This is just a thing that's happening right now. But it's, like, been long enough that, like, I surround myself with people who are, like, trusting, caring, like, trying to do the right thing kind of people. Um, probably it's helpful that I don't go to school. I think that for a lot of queer kids, like that's a really hard place. And I definitely don't have that experience. Like in most of the circles that I travel in, like they know other people who are non-binary. It's like not like a totally foreign concept to them. So that's interesting because, and you don't have to say where you live in Massachusetts um, by city if you don't want to, but can you tell me like vaguely, do you live in a, in a small city or like a big city or near a lot of folks or in a more rural area? Yeah. Well, I live in Western Massachusetts and it's, I live in like a really small town, but it's sort of surrounded by slightly larger towns that are very, very queer. 
Sure. I have been to some of those towns. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like not too far from like the Pioneer Valley kind of a thing. That's right where I am. Okay, yeah. yeah. hmm Right. So there's some queerness going on there because of the like sister colleges. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, including places like Smith, which, by mm-hmm. the way, always beat me at rugby in college. <laughs> They're really good at rugby. <laughs> um, but I asked that question because I feel like um, something like non-binary as an identity, I think for a lot of adults can feel very much like it's like popping up out of nowhere and it's like just on the coasts. So that's why I asked a little bit more for some additional information about like what type of place you live in because if you are saying that folks you know have other reference points that's interesting to me in terms of like what your experience is as a young person versus like adults maybe feeling like this is (laughs) this is brand new and it's like you know maybe maybe not true for your generation I definitely have speeches that I give to people about that like people who say things like that like I I, I kind of like have responses that I can give. So it's not like a, a burden on me every time someone's like, wow, why are you inventing this new thing? Wow. Oh, you have, so you have like um, practiced responses in your head kind of a thing? I mean, I, I practice them because people ask me the questions like way too often. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, right. I don't mean that you've practiced them and that like yeah. you should be extemporaneous. I just mean it happens enough that yeah. you have like your responses. Um it feels like maybe it would be helpful to like other young people who identify the same way you do if if you want to share any of those. I also don't want to like give you um, a ton of education work to do. But if you have something that you always say, I would be curious to hear what that is. Yeah. Well, often I talk about how it's just something that's been going on forever and a thing that people are finding new language for now in like the white Western world. But that like indigenous people have been talking about for centuries and centuries and it's something that they've really recognized and how interlocked um like racism is with the transphobia and like not recognizing the people's like different identities there you go (laughs) oh my gosh what a that makes me happy to hear you uh be able to like because you're totally right, and um, I'm just – I'm glad for you that you know that because it seems like an early age to know that because history can provide us with a feeling of, like, being less alone, right? Yeah. Like, when we remember that um, – like, because people also say this about cisgendered gay folks, like, still, you know, um, this idea of, like, you're new. <laughs> and, um, you know, of course I know that. Like, I've been here for the entirety of human history, and you've been here for the entirety of human history, and, like, we're written out for um, convenient reasons and for reasons of specific culture. So that just because we're written out doesn't mean we weren't there. Right. Go look at some old-ass art. (laughs) (laughs) You'll see me. I'm in there. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Queeros. Today's podcast is sponsored by Away. Away offers high-quality luggage that is designed to be resilient, resourceful, and essential to the way you travel. They've got a variety of colors, four different sizes, including carry-on sizes that are compliant with all major U.S. airlines. That's the size 
I have the little guy. It's lightweight. It comes with you on the plane. And it also features a combination lock, 360 degree spinner wheels, which are like straight up the only kind of luggage wheels you should have, honestly. And even a compression system for like if you have to put your baseball glove in because you're going to go with Rhea to Austin and you need to pack a baseball glove. They've even got a USB cord in there. Anyway, mine is red. I like a dark, dark red, like a maroon almost. You can try your away for 100 days. If you love it, then, like, keep it. And if you don't, you can return it for a full refund. Shipping is even free within the lower 48 states. So... Head to awaytravel.com slash query and use promo code query to get 20 bucks off the suitcase of your choice. That's awaytravel.com slash query and the promo code query for 20 bucks off your away suitcase. Queeros, today's podcast is sponsored by, you guessed it, the perennial faves, Tomboy X. Oh, what do I love about Tomboy X? Well, they've got everything from bikinis, briefs, boxer briefs, trunks and boy shorts to soft bras and racerback bras. They got everyday basic colors, fun seasonal prints, sizing from extra small to 4X. And wherever you fall on the size or gender spectrum, Tomboy X offers amazing undies that you could feel comfy in. They are soft. So head to TomboyX.com slash query. And you can get an extra 15% off with the code QUERY. Yeah, that's right. Just go to tomboyx.com slash query, enter the code QUERY for 15% off. Ditch whatever you're wearing for a pair of Tomboy X undies. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about your activism. So... Talk to me about what you're doing with your time. I, I read up on the stuff that you're doing, and that was part of the reason I was like, oh, I should totally talk to this person because, like, you clearly are making um, – you clearly are getting yourself involved. So I would love to hear, like, how that started. Yeah. There yes, probably two main projects that I'm doing right now. Um, I don't know if they're projects, but in the end of 2016, I was talking with a friend of mine, and – we were feeling like there's so much going on, particularly in this area, that we really want to get involved with, like social justice-wise, but we feel really patronized in all of these spaces and very tokenized. And um, we're, we want a place where we can learn and be leaders and also make mistakes and like try stuff out and experiment and feel good about that without having to represent a generation. So we started a youth activism group and it started as like eight or 10 of our mostly just like friends that we knew would be interested in it. And it's developed since then. I think we're maybe at 13 people now. And I think we're going to be adding some. Um, and we, we now meet every week and like have a lot of structure. And I'm just like really excited about having created a place where people can plug in because sometimes around here, even in the Pioneer Valley, things are not the most accessible for youth. And even if they're like trying to be, it just doesn't actually feel that way. Um, like what were some of those spaces where you were feeling patronized? Uh, j just to ask that question about like where that feeling came from. Yeah, whatever. Like we would go to meetings and groups like climate activism stuff and people would kind of be like, 
oh, the young people in the room want to share something about this. Or one time, like it was breakout groups and we went into the room and that we were wanted to go to that group. And the people came in, they're like, oh, that must not be where we're meeting because there's young people in there. Um, wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure. And what, like, what would you want? Obviously, like you're saying, to be treated as a human. But I also think that there are some things that you have to specifically offer, like that you have to offer that maybe an adult wouldn't have to offer. Is there anything in there that you think about, like things that your age, like, is an asset in? Right. I think the thing that I like is um, thinking about that in every age rather than dividing it, like, at whatever, 18 or 21 or, I don't know, 25 or wherever we decide, like, you're now not a young person anymore. Like, saying, okay, like, I think because of when you were around or when you grew up, you probably have some different experiences and knowledge to bring. And because of your age and when you grew up, you probably have some other different experiences to bring. I love that. That's great. I mean, what? Okay. <laughs> I'm so tired. Uh, you were born in like 2001. Yeah. Okay. So because what I think about is based on what you're talking about, you know, I think about like um, YouTube and Twitter started in 2006. So you would have been five. So for your sort of and a lot of folks don't really let their kids use computers a ton prior to five or like didn't in your age group. So like you have sort of been um, growing up with social media around you, growing up with YouTube around you for something like climate activism. What that to me intersects with like you actually have the opportunity to educate yourself a little bit more than like I did in my youth about what any of that means. Like, for instance, in my book, in the books at my school, it's not like they were like able to keep up with, up, you know, like contemporary thought on global climate change. Because there's like a, yeah. there's a lag between uh, the science, the publication, and then the distribution of the book. But for somebody that's your generation, that lag has closed to pretty much nothing. It's like the research is done, the paper is published, you can see it that day. And so I would think for something um, like just in that one example, it's like you've had good information the whole time if you wanted to find it. That makes yeah, you really different. Really that makes you yeah. really different than me. And right. so like we're coming at things from a different perspective. I mean, yeah, you know, and for me, I feel like it's like, well, I don't know. I mean, what is that like growing up with social media around you? Like, I don't know. I mean, I think it's sort of like, People ask, like, I'm a twin, and people always ask me, like, what is it like to be a twin? And I'm like, well, I don't know. How What's could it you like not to be a twin? I know. Um, I think there's definitely, like, a piece of me that's like that. Um, and I think you're really right, like, being able to access things so easily. Like, I think it would, I would be, the things that I'm doing, like, education-wise are so much, like, enhanced by the internet and social media and all those things. Um, Absolutely. And I think that it's true that, like, probably teenagers have are m more connected to, like, what's going on in the global world. Um, because, like, they maybe weren't reading the newspaper, but now they're, they, like, it pops up on their whatever feed. Um, 
but I, I can't, I can't. Do you like check that stuff constantly or do you not check that stuff constantly? How is it involved in your life on a daily basis? Um, I would say in between. I have a lot of friends that um, don't live around me. And so I communicate with them a lot like over social media. Um, but, and I use Facebook like a lot as an organizing and just like a tool to connect groups and to like share stuff like events I'm doing or whatever, that kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, I, I love definitely that, use it. <laughs> I love that you're giving me pushback on like things that make no sense. Like asking you what it's like to grow up with social media. First of all, <laughs> I just want to say congratulations. But second of all, I want to say like that actually is a really good, um, answer, you know, because like I wasn't, again, when we talk about availability of information, it was, it just was much harder for me to like connect with people my same age or any other age that lived outside of my direct community, especially like prior to driving, you know, there's mm-hmm. like, you know, prior to 16 and I got my license at 16, not everybody does. And then I also had access to a car, not everybody does, but I lived in a place where, um, there wasn't like great public transport. So, you know, prior to that, it's really like, where can I walk to? And what do those people think? Like, that's like the full scope. And, you know, you can read the newspaper, but um, that's still written by somebody that like, that falls under a single editorial ideal, as opposed to like, newspapers aren't necessarily always trying to come up with like a zillion counterpoints. Um, But you being able to find other friends who live other places, that seems like a, that seems really beneficial in somebody that's doing what you're doing, which is like trying to self-educate a little bit and Mm -hmm. expand your boundaries. Like for instance, racial justice. I just, I, I lived in Massachusetts for a long time. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to make a guess about Western mass. um, But please tell me if I'm wrong. Do percentage wise, uh, mostly white folks yes yeah yeah but still particularly like in the upper valley yeah but um right yes yeah so like where how are you finding information about because you said when you were introducing yourself that you're like committed to racial justice so how are you getting information in that area yeah i am i'm involved with surge showing up for racial justice which is like a white people's or- national organization doing anti-racist work. And so uh, the w- Western Mass chapter, I have a meeting tonight, actually. Um, and I'm on a, a working group that is called Campaigns and Creative Resistance. Um, so I don't know, it's sort of focused on that. It's not the most cohesive, organized kind of thing, but I, I'm, I'm showing up and we're organizing a reparations event on Saturday, so... That that's the main way. That's interesting. You really are you really are using your free time <laughs> to expand your uh, horizons. And okay, again, not to like teenize you, but mm-hmm. are you trying to date any humans these days? Is that something that's on your radar at all? Yeah, it's on my radar. <laughs> <laughs> how is how is that? Um, how is that when you fall into like a, I mean, we just don't have better language than this, a subcategory. Like I would call yeah. queerness like a subcategory. So yeah. what's that like for you? I don't know. I mean, I feel like I have lots of disadvantages. I don't go to school. 
and I am queer, like in sort of multiple ways of that word. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know if disadvantages is the right what word. Are, but like what are the ways that, way, like, that you are queer? <laughs> like gender queer and sexuality queer. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I don't, I haven't dated in a few years and that's like mostly fine. I talk with my queer friends about all the cute girls that live around here and that's, I don't know. I don't really date them. Yeah. Does it feel, does it feel lonely? Does it feel okay? What's that feel like? I think it's a little frustrating. Like sometimes I'm like, why doesn't everyone wear a little, like a little tag or something that will say like, (laughs) they're like sort of sexuality thing. Um, because like, it's just hard to know like what's going on in a relationship. Um, but I don't know. It doesn't stress me out. I have a lot of good friends and yeah. I think a lot of, a lot of pressure is put on young people to like, uh, do this real fast, you know, just like that there's a finish line and that that finish line has to like be, uh, achieved immediately I think especially for folks that are like cultured male it can be it can be linked to you know like violence or depression because somebody feels like they haven't like reached a goal but for anybody not just folks that are cultured male for anybody I think there's this feeling of like I'm not sure if I'm good enough um because I'm not partnered up and do you feel that pressure at all in your life to like partner up or to like be valued by your relationship status? I, no, I don't think so. Um, but again, I think it's like, I really intentionally surround myself with like people that aren't like, like who aren't kind of stressed about those things. Um, so like friends, like good friends is a good, is a good buffer for you to feeling that pressure from the outside. Yeah. Cause I think that's pretty wise. I mean, good friends are kind of always a, of a help in that regard, yeah. you know, like it doesn't matter your age. Uh, I have a lot of friends who are single who are my age and they actually, it turns out I find have like um, even closer and more committed friendships than like mm-hmm. I'm able to have because of the amount of energy that I put into my partnered relationship. Then I have like a little less energy to just give around to other folks. And there have been times when I've been single that that hasn't been true. You know, like if I didn't have a partner, then I was able, then I was just like a better friend. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I also have like siblings that I put a lot of energy t- into. I think it's kind of just about like we all have a finite amount of energy and we're just distributing it differently. And that there are ways that if you're like a young person having all this pressure, date immediately, go immediately to the movies. I don't know what one would do. Uh, that like focusing energy elsewhere can be really helpful. Yeah. You have a twin, you said. Yeah. Um, and is that how does – and you don't have to – this doesn't have to be – but does that person identify as queer at all? Yeah. Oh, they do also? Yeah. That's cool. That seems like helpful to have like somebody in the fam. Yeah. My siblings do not identify as queer. Cool. That's That seems like that's – I mean, is that helpful to have someone else that yeah. you can talk to? I mean, I don't know, like – I, she doesn't, it's not like a thing that she really talks about a lot. Sure. Um, 
I think be, like in our community, it's just like more like she's just like, whatever, like this is a thing of who I'm attracted to. Like it doesn't come up in conversation. And I feel like I'm more like I'm queer. Like that's like a piece of my identity. Uh, it's funny because you're just like because <laughs> you're like alluding to straight up sociological trends just like in conversation because that's totally true. Like uh, young folks that. Like, I identify as queer as a huge part of my identity, too, but I also know that there's, like, this growth in folks that are just, like, I'm flexible and I don't need to decide what's going on, that that's true. That's really different for your generation than it is for mine. Like, for yeah. mine, it was so taboo that it's, like, you better fucking know. And you got, like, and when you get out there, you're not going to be able to come back, man. And, like, that just feels like maybe it's a little different for you. Again, these are studies I'm reading, not human beings I'm talking to. So it's good to hear yeah. that anecdotally. Uh, like, do you feel like there's stigma around somebody not talking about it? No. Do you feel like there's stigma around talking about it? No. That sounds positive to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, so that sounds, uh, I'm in favor of that. I'm in favor yeah. of less stigma. Cool. All right. So what is it that you hope for, like, maybe, say, the next year of your life? Um, what do I hope for the next year of my life? I'm trying to transition a lot of the things I do to be maybe more full-time, maybe paying, maybe not, but just, like, more focused and serious. Um, and so I'm like, we're really focusing, like I write a lot of poetry and I'm really focusing on that and like working on creating like a kind of compilation. Um, and so I definitely like will keep working on that. Um, I've been <clears throat> doing a lot of ageism work and teaching workshops. And so like I'm working to expand that work. Um, and other than that, I don't really know, like I'm sort of like letting the wind blow me around and like also being sort of sturdy. Uh, I'm hoping to go to Europe with my best friend for a few months in next spring. Uh. When you said that you're trying, that you're figuring out or maybe trying to uh, transition some of the stuff that you do into a paying gig or paying gigs or whatever, what would that look like? What, what areas are you trying to transition and to make in some moolah? Yeah, well, I've been doing that with ageism work. Um, been getting paid for the workshops I've done in like, a different way than before. Um, I would say that's the main way right now. Like I, <clears throat> for about like six, six years, I think this will be my sixth year. I've been working at this camp and I'm like transitioning it more and more to a, like a, now it's like I'm a full-time staff person. So that was sort of just more had to do with my age, but also I've been like getting more involved in the planning and the doing of that. Um, but I'm also just like experimenting with ways to do that. Like here's an internship I'm going to get. Like, how can I make this a thing that isn't just volunteering or yeah. building my skill set and repertoire and resume? It's June, which means it's Pride Month. And so we are celebrating all of the great queer shows that Earwolf, burr, burr, the network that has Put Your Hands Together and Query, 
Put Your Hands Together is my other podcast. So yeah, you could just listen to these back and forth forever. But why would you do that when there are so many other great shows on Earwolf, like Throwing Shade, that's hosted by Aaron Gibson, Brian Safi. They discuss women's rights, LGBT issues, and they interview your favorite actors and comedians. Like, I've been on there, and I am your favorite. You can celebrate Pride Month with Earwolf by subscribing to Throwing Shade now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. I'm gonna. Ma- I'm making an assumption because of the way you're talking about spending your time and your age that you're not totally financially self-sufficient, <laughs> which seems totally chill for a 17-year-old. But do you have like a goal for? Because for so many people that go through like the usual school system, it's like your you know your last quarter of college. You're like interviewing. You're trying to get that job that's gonna be your stepping stone into the working world. And do you have a plan for that for yourself? I think I'm just like looking at it more gradually. Yeah. Um, so I'm, that's like sort of what I'm trying to do is figure out like, how can I, I don't want to be doing a job that's just like, I'm doing this one job all the time. Like that seems very boring to me. Um, and I have like a lot of things that excite me and I want to work, figure, find ways to like connect all those things. Um, and so right now I'm just like trying to dive deeper into them so that I can find out like is this a place where I really be wanting to be put like lots of time and energy and hopefully like get an output that involves money and where is it I don't want to do that yeah and well I mean what you're talking about the kind of model that you're talking about slowly moving into or gradually moving into is kind of what a lot of folks that I know that work in activism do anyway and it's also what my life looks like and I do not, I do not consider myself working in activism. I'm an activist though. Um, but I, it's like the kind of cobbling together of things. So like, for instance, somebody yeah. who works at like a nonprofit during the day, but then also gets paid to do speaking stuff, um, like on the weekends or at night or, um, is like working to make that all happen together. That is something that I see as a model for a lot of folks that work in that field anyway. Um, I think partially because, Maybe sometimes we don't pay folks that work in the nonprofit world as much as we should. Yeah. And then I think also partially because those folks have a little more to offer than that they can use for that like speaking series things on the side. Does that sound a little bit like something you could see yourself doing in the future? Yeah, absolutely. I can see that based on what you're talking about and like the actions you've already taken in your life mm-hmm. that that might be something I could see for you is uh, – like a central thing, you know, or a couple central yeah. things that you're working on, but like with side projects and, hey, that's what my life looks like. So it's totally doable. <laughs> you mm-hmm. can you can set yourself up that way. Um, I also think that it's a benefit to be able to like live with your folks and stuff while you're figuring that out. And I actually got a little bit of that as I transitioned into taking comedy seriously full time. So like... I followed that traditional path and went to, mm. uh, you know, high school and college and graduated and worked in the education sector. And then when I decided to switch fully into stand-up, I, like, lived with my folks for, I think, two or three months just while I, like, figured mm. out what the next job was going to be. So your model isn't totally dissimilar to my model, <laughs> even though, like, yeah. I sat in a lot more classrooms than you <laughs> success 
Yes. <laughs> do you, so do you ever think about, again, this is like, please don't take this as a pressure question. Do you ever think about like, if you would make a decision later in your life, um, that you would maybe want something like a college degree in case you didn't want to do this work? Yeah. Um, I have like a couple of different answers to that. And one is that I think that like kind of learning and that sort of stuff happens all the time. And so if I decide suddenly at 25 or 30 or whatever, like, oh shit, like the thing I really want to be doing is something that is being a doctor or a lawyer or something that really needs a degree. Like I could do that then and it would be, it would be a different path, but it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be unheard of and it like wouldn't be impossible. Um, and my other answer, totally right. (laughs) Keep going. (laughs) Okay. Two other answers. One is I think that we're as a society transitioning away from college feeling so important because, um, everybody's starting to go to college and everyone's starting to go to more and more college. And so just like currency, like it's becoming less and less valuable. And so I think that, um, potentially that it will get easier and easier for me. And my third answer is sort of connected to that. Um, I think that there's a lot of jobs that like act like you need a college degree or sort of say that you need a college degree. But if you can demonstrate in some other way that you're qualified for the job, that you can do it and they won't turn you away. Have you thought about political office? What I like about you is that you offer three distinct (laughs) answers. (laughs) Have you ever thought about that for yourself? I have occasionally. I don't know. I like talking to in front of people sometimes. I like answering questions, but I don't really like school, and I feel like probably I would have to go to a lot of school. It's unclear to me uh, based yeah. on our current <laughs> situation. Uh, That's fair. It's unclear to me what the yeah. uh, qualifications for political office are anymore. <laughs> it is very unclear to me, yeah. and I definitely think that – I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to lump you uh, because of your age into a group of people that you have, like, I'm going to assume haven't met. Um, but the Parkland kids, I think, are proving something about, uh, like, use of platform, like uh, young people being able to use platform in, in a way that, like, I, f- I guess, you know, young young folks were also super instrumental in electing President Obama, but we weren't yeah. like hearing and I was, you know, that was like whatever that was 10 years ago. So I, I right. was like, it turns out this is how time works younger than, and um, those were some of my peers. I didn't feel like I was like hearing from young people so much as young people were being pitched to, like it was like young people were being right. included, but not necessarily given a platform. And I just feel like that's really different right now. So uh, it's unclear to me, like whether that will, like change the way we validate experience. It seems like maybe mm-hmm. it already is in a way that I, I just haven't seen in my lifetime. Yeah. I think it's more, more like what was going on in the sixties and the seventies, but I missed all that. I didn't yeah. see any of that when yeah. I, you know, um, when you look at folks like that, what it, does that, what does that feel like for you in the work that you do seeing like young people take center stage like that? Um, I think it's exciting. I, the, <laughs> 
People like to answer, ask me this question. I am I, sure. That's why I said up top, you don't know these people. <laughs> these are not you, but I just... Uh, and the thing I like to highlight, which you sort of already said, is like, I think it's super great. I'm super excited. And also, I don't think that we should... I think we should remember that this is a thing that's been going on for a long time. And it's happening right now. But like, youth have been driving movements forever and ever. And like, that, I don't know. That it should, it yeah. shouldn't be a surprise, but it's great that it's happening. You're right. It shouldn't be a surprise. No, it, it shouldn't be a surprise. But definitely the cameras are in a different place than they were yeah, in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think about Obama a lot and I think about that there were young people at all of those rallies and all of his – but it was like the coverage was a lot more like – oh my God, Facebook is a thing. Like that was kind of what the coverage was. It wasn't really like, oh my God, all these kids turned up, you know, like, which feels different now. May I ask you another question that I bet you get often about your pronouns? Mm -hmm. Uh, What pronouns do you use? They, them. And how is that received by your peers? Was there a period of education or do folks, or are folks familiar enough that you didn't have to do the education? People my age are pretty familiar and just like, that's cool. Okay. Um, People older than me, there's been a big learning. There is a big learning curve. And I've had to do a lot of that education, which is very exhausting. Yeah, I hear that. Um, I mean, it's not it's not like something I'm living in a in a personal sense, but my wife uses they pronouns, and so it's been interesting to, like, see folks that I think actually, like, are in our age group um, totally get what is being asked for, but, like, also are so new to it that can't necessarily deliver. Like, are just, like, heard, like, on the same page, yeah. trying, like, ready, you know, um, but yeah. then, like— it's new language, and so there's, like, a gulf between intention and success or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sort of working on a blog post right now that's, like, kind of about that, mm. which talking about, like, how it's not just a pronoun shift and how I think that the, the one of the big, like, stumbling blocks or things that, that pe- trip people up and make it hard for them to, like, make the pronoun shift is when they're thinking of it as, uh, just that, just a pronoun shift. Whereas it's, if you, I think if you can view it as a more like complete thing of like, oh, the identity that I thought this person had or that like I sort of put upon them is wrong and I need to shift that whole identity inside of my head and like particularly related to gender because gender is such a big thing in our society, like shift how I view their gender and then in a way that like makes it natural to use the right pronouns. I think that's really smart. I think that's a really smart adjustment. I I think you're totally, you should totally write that blog post. Please do. How did you come to understand yourself? Like what I would assume, again, this is just like an outside perspective. I would assume that because of the way that we're cultured around gender, that you would have had to make that, that you would have had to understand that first, that like you would have had to realize, oh, this isn't just, a shifting in my pronouns is a shifting in the way I see myself. But I don't know. Maybe there wasn't a shift 
No. Can you was, tell me about that? Yeah. So, like, I benefited, I would say, like, mostly from two really great camps that were are very queer. And, like, we talked a lot about this. And that really, like, helped me realize it and within myself. Um, and then there was a, something that yesterday I was listening to Query. Um, and what Rhea said something that... I was like, this is how I feel, and I don't think it's something that people really talk about, and I think that's odd because, like, here they just expressed, like, my feelings about this, which is, it's not, it was like, here's, here I found some language to explain something I've always known about myself, um, and here's, a, here's better language that makes me feel more comfortable in my identity that I've always had. Yeah. I mean, I get that because that is how, I think that's how sexual, like, coming to understand your sexuality, I think works in a similar way. Um, and that like, it is something maybe you've always known, but the language helps. And then the understanding stems from that. So I can, I can relate to what y'all are talking about there because it is. And I think also, you know, because this is something that like being gay doesn't automatically, it turns out we're learning uh, mean that folks are accepting or like open to the idea of uh gender as well like new ideas about gender like those things that just because you're in the community in one way doesn't mean you are welcoming to other folks that are in the community a different way and I think it's really good to talk about what you're talking about that like oh I had the words and I then I understood who I had always been like that's what gay people have been saying forever. So like, you know, if you're a cisgendered person, it's kind of the same shit you've been saying about yourself. (laughs) It doesn't mean like that you have to understand everything, but that should at least allow for like some compassion. Yeah. If there's been a similar awakening or whatever. I don't know. Let's be nicer. <laughs> That's how I'll fix it by saying that. <laughs> um, all right. I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, and then we're going to talk about a queero at the end. Great. But I feel like I've been doing so much asking of you and trying to understand where you come from because of your age. And I wanted to allow you, and no press if nothing pops up, uh, to ask me any questions that might come from my age. So, like, I don't know, anything I could be helpful for as an adult that's in the community um, or anything that you just don't get that adults say or do. I'm, I am open if you have any thoughts there. Well, when you ask that question, the thing that I wanted to do is not ask a question but just, like, talk more because – that's like what it made me think about. And I like, I don't have a question right away. Um, That's cool. Is that cool? Why don't you talk more? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Which is to say that since I was fairly little, I've been really focused on being like, I'm mature. I can do things. And like, you shouldn't treat me differently because of my age. And I think like mostly that's been pretty true. Um, And I'm in the last like six months, I've been really trying to grapple with like knowing that both that is true and also like like wisdom from age like does exist and that there is are some things that 
people who are older than me know that I don't know or like just inherently because of that. But like I really I'm like having a lot of trouble actually making that shift to like, I don't know, figuring out how to hold both of those things. Which yeah, is why I don't have a question for you. No, I, I hear that. Um, even though it's not a question, can I respond? Yeah. I think that something um, that does that is true with age is that in youth, you can learn a lot um, in terms of theory or you can read a lot. Um, but it's just a function of time that you will have more experiences as you continue to age. And I think that the thing is that like the number of access points that you have to view a certain concept or a certain part of your life will expand. And so I think that's something that is, I think that's the thing with age. For instance, like when young people, um, like a young person that might say something like, and this isn't you, um, well, we don't even need feminism because, like, it already existed, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. And then what you would want for that person is to enter the workforce and to experience what the workforce is like. Yeah. I think you could do the same thing with relationships where it's not necessarily like we get smarter at being alive, but more so just, like, our overall number of experiences expand. And so we're taking an average of more experiences when we look at the world, which is like always better. I mean, that's how we do like statistical evidence is like we try to expand the the number of inputs so that we like know that we're right about something. So yeah, if, yeah I think like that's the thing, right? I think you just described like most of my theory of wisdom, which is like it has to do with how you connect different experiences and somebody could be like kind of wise and be young because they're really good at connecting those ex- the experiences they do have. And somebody could be like not that wise and pretty old because they're not very good at being like, I've had all these experiences and here's how do they go together? I love that. Yeah. And I think that I love that. And I think that you're, if you are like one of those kind of wise people that you're talking about, um, that, you're going to make better connections as you age simply because you're going to have more experiences. Right. So, wow, we totally agree on (laughs) aging. (laughs) Um, You're a pleasure, Lurkin. It was like just really nice to talk to you. Thank you for taking time today. You too. I hope that it was what you wanted. I hope you feel like you got to get your Mm -hmm. viewpoint out. Um, And I would love to ask you before we send you off into your day to shout out a queero, which is somebody or place or person that made you feel comfortable in being who you are today. Yeah. I want to shout out a camp, not back to school camp, um, which is like theoretically a camp for homeschoolers or unschoolers, but is also just like so queer and like super great about that. Um, and that's like, it's really shaped like who I was in general I am in general but also like specifically like how I like how the way, way I'm comfortable in like being queer and yeah awesome and uh Lurkin if anybody wanted to like find out more information about the the organizations that you're involved in would you want to send folks to that organization of like young people that that you are part of starting what is that called it's called youth rise together Awesome. Um, so it's at youthrisetogether.com. Um, 
also on Instagram and like you could hit me up if you wanted to hear more stuff like because that's just one thing I don't know cool all right well we will tag you when we post the show so folks can find can find you um but please enjoy the rest of your day and again I I'm stoked that you wrote in and that we were able to talk to each other it's great yeah thanks for responding (laughs) absolutely rock on yeah take care This is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season 3 has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, Season 3 is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Fake nuts. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, Jazos. <laughs> Ruler of the Eighth Circle. And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.